Last week we talked about servant leadership, right? It's see a need, fill a need. Any, anybody can, can do that. Each and every one of us can be a servant leader. Today we're going to be talking a, a little bit more about practical leadership. So we're going to be looking at specific uh, church roles and what we can look to expect um, from people who fill those roles. So uh, I'm about to share something with you guys, and I, I don't know if you care about this, but some of you may like to you know, check sources and make sure I'm not just making this up. So all this following information can be found at livingwithwolves.org. Okay? Livingwithwolves.org. You're welcome if you'd like to fact check me. Uh, so livingwithwolves.org, it's actually um, a website of a group of scientists who, who did a study of wolf packs, uh, the North American gray wolf to be specific. Um, and these wolf packs, they live in packs of, of 5 to 20 wolves, right? And each pack has an alpha male and an alpha female that kind of lead the direction for the pack. They teach hunting techniques and um, make decisions about who gets to stay in the pack or who gets booted from the pack or who's welcome into the pack. Um, they're the primary uh, means of growing the pack. I'll let you um, take from that what you will. Uh, but as they were studying these wolf packs, they found that a, a lot of them were deteriorating. And in 77% of these wolf packs that failed, they failed because of the loss of an alpha leader, either the male or the female. After that, 77% of these wolf packs, they, they dispersed. They went off and tried to find other packs and join other things um, and, and create their own groups. Um, in these packs, when, when the alpha male lost, lots of things were left behind. For instance, like I said, one of the ways was hunting techniques. They found that these packs had to um, move on because they didn't know how to hunt without their leader. That, that technique, it wasn't taught to them, and so they weren't quite sure on what their role was without uh, a leader, a strong leader there to show them what to do, and so they couldn't feed themselves, and so they had to go in search of food. And it shows that not just wolf packs, but in all animal kingdom, that, that leadership is vitally important to the success of any venture. Just like it is with the North American gray wolf, it's important for us, too, to have strong leadership in the church. And our success, our direction, is vitally important and connected to the leadership that we have in place. And so today we're going to look at that. We're going to look at um, these specific roles, our, our elders, our pastors, our team leads, um, if you don't fit in one of those roles, though, I promise there's something for you here, too, today. So everybody, let's pay attention. Stay with me. We'll, we'll get to something I promise that will be beneficial for you, okay? So the first thing we see with an elder is that an elder must be called by the Holy Spirit, okay? An elder must be called by the Holy Spirit. Now, let's look at uh, Acts 20, 28. That's what this says. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which, has brought, which he has bought with his own blood. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm sorry about that. Just like in the early church where leaders um, and elders were appointed and, and ordained by the Holy Spirit, that has to take place here today too, okay? Not just anybody can fill any role, right? Like you may feel like, hey, I want to be a pastor, Okay, like I would love to be a pastor. Being a pastor looks cool. I like to speak. I like to talk. I love the Bible. Um, but really, that's, that's not necessarily enough, right? There's a calling that's placed on your life when you become a pastor, and it's something that, that God ordained you to do. And so 
we see that you know wanting to do something doesn't necessarily mean that we were cut out to do it or that we were made to do that. And so that's one of the key things for us when we look at leadership. Is this person called to lead us? Are they supposed to be filling this role? That's number one. And so um, leadership, in case you guys didn't know or needed to know, it's stressful. <laughs> okay? It's stressful. There's so many aspects to leadership, not just the teaching, not just the Sunday morning stuff, but how are we going to keep the lights on and how are we going to provide for all of our families? And, you know, when it comes to our church specifically, like what direction are we going to go towards mission and missions and, and, and how are we going to make each and every area function for the greater good of the church? Leadership in itself is stressful. It, it just is. And so if that calling's not there, what you see happening is that that leadership starts to fade away right? Anybody, there's like a young phenomenon in boys that grow up in the church who accept this calling to be a pastor. It happens a lot. You see it happen a lot. And, you know, it's not our place to question that calling, but you slowly start to see who was truly called and who wasn't by those that sort of fade away. They start to recognize that maybe this wasn't for me, or maybe God didn't call me to do this. And, and it's not a bad thing. It's just a recognition of you know, this was something I wanted to do, but not necessarily something I was called to do. And so the first thing that we need to look for in our elders and our leaders is, were they called to do this? The second thing I want us to understand is that an elder or a church leader must be a person of high moral and ethical standing. Okay, we're going to look at 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 7, and this is what they say to us. Here is a trustworthy saying, whoever aspires to be an overseer desires a noble task. Now the overseer is to be above reproach, faithful to his wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must be able to manage his own family well and see that his children obey him, and he must do so in a manner worthy of full respect. If anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may, be, he may become conceited and fall under the same judgment as the devil. He must also have a good reputation with outsiders so that he will not fall into disgrace and into the devil's trap. This list here isn't conclusive, right? It's not exhaustive. It's, it's, a, it's a starting point. It's a checklist of like, does our leader fit these beginning characteristics? It's their foundation. And so when we look at these things, you're going to have to, uh, forgive me, I'm going to read a little bit here uh, directly from my notes, but each and every specific qualification not only has a spiritual ramification, but it also has a practical application, okay? Not only does it have a spiritual ramification, but it has a practical application. So if we look at this, when they say they're above reproach, right? We want our leaders to have a good reputation. A poor reputation not only reflects poorly um, on them, as that's obvious, but it reflects poorly on our church as well. Let me just turn my phone off there. ESPN had something they wanted to tell you, but we'll ignore that for now. Um, so a poor reputation will reflect poorly on the church. We look at someone who's faithful to their spouse, right? There's a spiritual application to that. That's a, a, a commitment you make in front of God, not only to your spouse, but to God as well, to be faithful. Now, this is like the greatest commitment that you can make to one another. And if you can't keep this commitment, then how can we expect you to put the church first, right? How can we expect you to act um, 
always in the best interest of the church because if you can't be faithful to your spouse, being faithful to a church becomes difficult because the commitment, honestly, is just not the same level. Then we go on and we look at self-control, right? We don't want anybody making rash decisions, you know? We need somebody who's um, mediated and who, who can control their thoughts and control them, their temper, and that's part of it as we go on. And, and we just need somebody who can look at things calmly and see the big picture and, and, and not be swayed too far to the right or too far to the left um, based on, on what's happening to them. We need somebody who's respectable. We need somebody who's respectable. When we look at decision-making, it's not good to have somebody who's making decisions who's always going to have their decisions questioned, right? That only causes problems. So if we look at you and we say you're a leader of our church, you're an elder of our church, and no one respects you, that seems harsh to say, but also it kind of means you're probably not cut out for that role. That's just the truth, because we can't always have decisions being made questioned constantly. Does that mean that a decision you make as a leader will never be questioned? I can answer that. No. <laughs> no, that's not true, because you know people are still going to question you. There's always somebody who sells insurance who thinks they will run a church better than you, even though you've devoted your life to that. It's just how it works. It's part of being in church for the most part. Luckily, not so at Crosspoint. Love you guys for that. <laughs> just throwing that out there. Uh, we, you want your, your leaders to be welcoming, right? Um, that's pretty self-explanatory. If someone new comes in and your pastor walks up to him and is like, what are you doing here? You know, it's not exactly the best precedent to set. I'm just saying, like, you, you know, you don't want somebody who's like, are you sure you're at the right place? True story. I, I, I grew up uh, a little bit in a church um, who we had like this old curmudgeon guy. I won't name his name, but it was just old curmudgeon who would like greet people at the door. And if he thought they were too young, he would like move them down the road to North Point because we were right down the road from North Point. And he's like, oh, you're a little young. You must be at the wrong place. That's North Point down the road. This is Northwest. And I'd just be like, what are you doing? Stop it. Um, he didn't stop, so I didn't stay. But hey, what do, you want? What, do you, what do you want from me? What do you want from me? You want somebody who's going to be able to teach, right? Uh, look at the wolf pack. When they lost their leader, if they hadn't been able to teach those hunting techniques yet, the wolf pack wasn't able to get food. And so it's great if you have wonderful ideas, but if you can't teach other people those ideas and pass that um, passion on to others, then you, you, what's the point of your idea? It just wastes away once you go away, and that's not a good thing. Um, and then we look at alcohol. Clear judgment is a must, you know? I mean, it's, what can I say? I could do some kind of like funny imitation of slurred speech, saying something ridiculous, but I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to say we prefer our leaders to be sober, okay? I mean, I don't know if you feel the same way. I'm just throwing that out there as something that's uh, pretty important. Gentle. Now, there's a proverb that says, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. I want you to hear this. How we lead is as important as where we're leading to. Okay? How we lead is as important as where we're leading to. So this applies to everywhere in life. This isn't just church, but when you're put in a leadership position, when you have anybody looking to you, even if that person is a child or a little sister or a friend or whatever it may be, how we lead them is as important as where we're leading them to. So if we're just going to tear people down, uh, the old uh, football coach trick I like to call it, where they just berate you and beat you up and tell you you're the worst thing ever, don't act like you never did it, Eddie, okay? I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. 
He probably didn't. I'm just saying in my personal experience, you know, you'd have a coach that'd be like, you're an idiot, you're stupid, you're no good, you're worthless, you're not an athlete, now come do this. And you're like, I feel inspired. Okay, let's win. Um, we need somebody who, who's not a lover of money. Biblical principle as well. You can't serve both God and money, right? So if your focus is always on money, 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 how am I going to get my money? Where's my money coming from? Um, leading a church, probably not going to be great for you. Um, at the same time, we need somebody who's cognizant of money because it takes money to run this thing. And so we, it, there's a fine balance there of, of, is the money all about me or am I just trying to make sure that this functions, right? We're, an, we're a nonprofit organization. We're not trying to like fill our pockets and have giant mansions. Well, not all of us, you know, some other churches maybe. Joel Osteen. Just kidding. I'm sure you guys love him. Um, I didn't say that. Household in order. That's also important, right? We all need to have a household in order. You can't serve well here um, if there's always drama at home. Okay? You can't serve well here if, if your things in home aren't in order. So if things are always unruly, if things are always crazy, if there's always drama there, and you bring it here, that's a problem. So you need to be able to manage both your household there and your household here. And so when someone gives you the keys, when someone gives you the keys, when we get the keys and and we're said, hey, lead us, show us where we're to go, it's important that we understand that, or at least have the feeling that that person's always going to have our best interests in heart. Does that make sense? So if we're going to say, please lead us, you, whoever you are, you, Jared, (laughs) be our leader, we want to make sure that Jared is acting on behalf of us the best he can for the church because he thinks it's best for the church, for the organization. So when we look at our leaders, not only do we need somebody who's been called to lead, but we need somebody uh, who's going to be a person of high moral and ethical character, somebody who's not going to be easily swayed um, away from, from their belief. And... The third thing, the third thing that we have to have, an elder must be a lover of people, okay? Excuse me. (coughs) Let's look at Mark chapter 12, verses 30 and 31. And uh, I'm going to lean on you for this, but this is what it says. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Now let's go ahead and go to the next verse, Elijah, please. 1 Corinthians 13, 2. Um, is that not on there? It's not on there. I'm going to look it up. You guys are welcome. I have a Bible. Let's see. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, I'm just kidding. Revelation, it's before that. It's after that. Philippians, here we go. We're, there we are. 1 Corinthians 13. I have never won a Bible race, if you know what I'm talking about. Okay, verse 13, uh, no, chapter 13, verse 2, this is what it has to say. If I have the gift of prophecy and I can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge and I have the faith, what are you talking about? Shut up. (laughs) And I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. So we look at a leader here, right? And we look at these two verses and we're told a couple things here. One, the most important thing that we can do in life is love. Okay, the most important thing that we can do in life is is love. But if we have all the answers, because that verse just said, if you know everything, like if we have the perfect church guy who just like is hopping from town to town, blowing churches up, that, that, that sounds a little terroristy. I didn't mean like that. I mean like attendance-wise, growing, okay? Churches are just growing and growing and growing, okay? But they're not a loving person 
what good is that in a leader? See, we can have all the answers. We can know all the right things. But I'm going to tell you something. That church leader that I just made up, if he's not loving, that isn't happening. Churches aren't growing and growing and growing and growing and growing and, and exploding. Because love is ultimately the important thing. See, we're all human. And, and the last thing we talked about, that was like a barometer. That was like a, a first step, a foundation we need our, our leaders to have, those characteristics. But we need to understand that as humans, there's no perfect candidate, right? There's nobody that um, hopefully your leaders are going to check all those off. Like that's the beginning. But there's nobody that's going to be perfect, okay? There's nobody that's going to just make you happy in every single area, all right? If you can't critique a leader, then your head is somewhere where you're probably not breathing. You understand what I'm saying? Like we need to be able to, to, to be realistic about where we're at. But we also need to understand that we don't deal with perfect people because we're people. And so, as the old saying goes, love can cover up a multitude of sins, right? Love can, love can make up for um, some areas where we don't quite meet that bar. And so, if, if our leaders are lovers of people, we can again be confident that maybe even if they're not perfect, if they're not the perfect leader, that we at least know that they're loving of people and that they want what's best for the people in our church. And so we can believe that this person, although maybe you don't think perfect or I don't think perfect, they love me and they love you and they love us. At the end of the day, they want what's best for us. And so we need somebody that's going to be a lover of people. Um, here's the thing. We're the body right? We're the body of Christ. We're the body of believers. And each and every one of us, each and every one of us was designed to fill a specific purpose. Some of you might find some discouragement in today thinking, you know, hey, I wanted to be a pastor, but uh, I don't really feel called to be. I just, something I want to be. And so maybe you're feeling a little down or, or whatever it may be. I, I don't know what that is. But let me tell you specifically, each and every one of you, that God made you specifically to fill a purpose that only you can fill and that you can fill perfectly. Right? If we have a lung trying to be the heart, our body isn't working exactly too well. And if we have somebody that's supposed to be a fingernail being a brain, then even bigger problem. But it's no less an honor to be a fingernail than it is to be the brain. Right? So if you look at this and you say, mm, for instance, all, maybe all I do is greet, right? All I do is open the door and welcome people into church. I'm not preaching or I'm not leading a team or I'm not, you know, filling a, a huge role. I, I just open the door and I say, welcome to Crosspoint. That role is for you. That is as vitally important as what I'm doing up here today. And in many cases, with people that have my ability levels, even more so important. You get to make the first impression. Right? You're the first face that people see when they, work in the, when they walk into Crosspoint. And so if they're greeted with a smile and they're greeted with a welcome and we're so glad to have you here today and you're holding the door open for them, that first impression that we only get to make one time can make all the difference to somebody. And it shows them, you know what? You are so important to us. My point is that there's no role that's small. 
There's no job that's tiny. Okay, whether it's bringing the donuts in in the morning or sweeping the floors or making sure the bathrooms have toilet paper or whatever it may be. If we do everything that we do in life for the good of our God, we do it to the best of our ability as if we're doing it for God, then we're doing something honorable. And maybe God didn't call you to be a pastor or an elder or a team lead, but maybe he did call you to sell insurance. Or maybe he called you to be a teacher in a public school. Or maybe he called you to clean pools. Each and every one of us can make an impact in the place that we are in our world. And you can make all the difference for an individual that you come across never thinking twice about what you're doing, but it it may just be that thing that changes someone's life. Your impact isn't great only if you say it isn't great. If every single day you wake up and you say, I'm going to live today the best that I can, I'm going to make a difference where I can, I'm going to serve people where I can, you're going to change somebody's life. You're going to make an impression on them. I work with a young lady who every day at off time asked to take out everybody's trash. It's not major. There's not a lot of trash in our trash cans by the end of the day. We're supposed to empty them every night. You know, we all walk by the trash can as we leave. So, but it's an act of service. It's a small thing that says, I love you. I think you're important. And she may not know that it makes an impact. I should probably tell her that it does. <laughs> that would be a good thing. But what little thing can you do? Because we do have practical leadership. We do have people that fill these specific roles and are, are, are leading us in the direction that Crosspoint is going and, and deciding what our future is going to be. And those are vital, important roles too. But just because we don't necessarily fit in one of those specific places, it doesn't mean that we're not making an impact for Crosspoint. It doesn't mean that we're not making an impact for our world. And it doesn't mean that we are not changing lives. So how do you make a difference? Let's pray, shall we? Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this opportunity to serve, to come before uh, a body of believers and just say, God has made you for something special and something important because that is the ultimate truth. And we may not even understand at this point in our lives what that is. We may not know. But God, with a little prayer and a little attentiveness, you'll show us what you have for us in life. And you'll lead us in a direction that makes a difference in this world that is positive and that improves the lives of others. Each and every one of us has a role to fill. Each and every one of us is a part of in the body of Christ, is a part in the body of believers. And we're not fully whole if we're not filling that role and if we're not filling that role with love. God, I pray that each and every one of us has an open heart to just say, Lord, I'm your instrument. Use me however you want. whether that be writing sermons or washing toilet bowls. 
God, if it's what you want me to do, I'll do that best I can for you and your kingdom. There's no such thing as a small impact for Christ. God, I pray that each and every individual here today understands that, can cling to that, and can be confident in the lives they live, knowing that they're living them for you. Help us as leaders of this place, as leaders of this church, to be better. Give us clear direction and clear mindsets. Give us a heart for people. Help us as a leadership team, as elders, as, as, as pastors, as team leads, Lord, to just put everything on the table and say, whatever it is you want for us, we will do. Lord, we ask all these things in your name, in your son's name. Amen.